This is the V4 Voices, brought to you by V4SDG Lab, the first podcast series about current sustainability issues with a Visegrad region perspective. Young sustainability experts at the mic discussing the potential of sustainable economic transitions, circular economy, and relevant business solutions for the Visegrad countries. Welcome all of you. Welcome to the V4 Voices, the V4 SDG podcast. I present you with the first episode of the series, Sustainable Business Models in Action, V4 SDG Perspective. My name is Agata Ordon, and I will be a moderator of today's podcast. It is my pleasure to host the V4 SDG members, experts on the wide range sustainable development, with whom I will not only recognize the definition of sustainable business model, but why exactly we need to shift from linear to circular economy and why we do need to do it now, not in one or two years, but now. And at this very moment, I would like to welcome our experts, Lucia Korbeljova person of many interests. Lucia has an academic background in social and natural sciences. She worked for the office of the deputy prime minister with EU structural funds in Slovakia, obtained her master's degree in sustainable development in Sweden. Thanks to the studies, she had various internships enabling her to learn more about sustainable packaging, circular economy, and how to apply these ones into business. Welcome, Lucia. Hello, everyone. The second one, Robert van Tilburg, helps reshaping the public discourse on nature and human society. Robert has a background in EU environmental policy, biodiversity policy, and the circular economy. He enjoys analyzing global movements to see what implications and opportunities they bring for communities and organizations. Welcome. Thanks. Happy to be here. Wojtek Wosetski. Wojtek is one of the top circular economy specialists in Czech Republic. He currently represents circular economy as an associate in the Nordics and the CEE regions. He also leads an expert team on circular economy for the city of Prague and collaborates with numerous other organizations. Wojtek is a member of the International Circular Economy Club as well. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you very much for joining. Next, Balint Horvat holds a PhD in the field of management and business administration with specialization in circular economy transitions and circular business model innovation. He works at the Netherlands embassies in Hungary and Slovakia as circular economy policy officer. It is his personal desire to contribute to the acceleration of a resource efficient and climate resilient transition in the CEE area. Hi everyone, it's a pleasure to be here. Hello, thank you very much. And last but not least, Gergely Budda, an economist specialized for developing countries with a focus on Africa. He fulfilled different management positions in SMEs-based projects there, in total almost seven years, with a field experience of 18 months. Besides, he is a self-employed independent consultant and project manager working together with SMEs and NGOs in Hungary on international projects, including OD trainings, strategic planning, business development activities, and Europe Ed, as well as H2020 projects. Hi, everyone. 
Hello. Thank you very much to all of you for accepting our invitations. I'm very glad to have you with me today. And what? Let's, let's begin. It's time to begin. Uh, and with what we will begin today? I think that just by simply defining of what we can read from many resources. So what the business model is. We can say that it's a company core strategy for profits, for profitably doing business. And it's like focus on products on, or services, the business plans to sell, and then evaluating a business model if it actually worked out. But here is the thing, is it enough? Let's challenge it. Is it, is it too old fashioned? I think it is. And is this old-fashioned approach enough? What do you think, Wojtek? Well, I would even go further to say that the, the way we do business and we structure our business models as society and companies, it's ruining the planet. We're seeing it. The way we do business and we do business models is um, really damaging for the way we operate as a human society and uh, with the impacts that we have on our nature. So um, in this sense, I think we are really on the wrong course and we need to seriously redefine the whole, um, the, the way we do business besides many other things. But since this topic is about the business models, yes, totally. Um, and sustainable business models, and especially coming from my expertise, a circular economy business models, I think they could offer a way out. Because if you look at the way we currently work and do business, it's often about uh, extracting resources, making stuff out of them, transporting them across half of the planet, selling them, consuming them often at really fast pace, which itself is not sustainable at all. And then when we're done with it, we throw it away ends up in a trash, on our landfills, in open environments, or in the incinerator. And this is not sustainable. We are losing these precious materials that we only have one planet. And uh, circular economy can offer a way out. And when it comes to the businesses, it all starts with a design. I think we, um, when we think of circular economy business models, it's important to... Um, have some key principles of uh, circular economy in mind, such as keeping materials in the use for as long as possible without loss of quality, um, designing out waste and using waste as a resource. And um, of course, while having neutral or even positive impact on human society and the environment. Thank you very much for your opinion. Yeah, like you mentioned, we are definitely on the wrong course right now. So being neutral and positive, we are, I think, way um, behind being neutral or positive. The most of the companies, the major of them, are just are just negative. And what do you think, Balin? Do you do you do you share the same opinion? Yes, I definitely share the same opinion with Wojtek. And uh, on the note of why business models are so important in this transition, if we consider the circular transition as truly a paradigm shift uh, from a linear economy to circular economy then I would say that a paradigm is always a macroeconomic perspective. So from linear to a circular economy. 
And uh, if we want to go down to the deepest level of this um, uh, paradigm, then we find that the business models, because in my opinion, business models are truly the fabric uh, of, an, uh, of an economy, because uh, they show us the way how to capitalize on business solutions uh, offered or provided by these uh, paradigms. Therefore, I think that uh, circular business models will definitely lead the way uh, in the circular transition and they offer us the bottom-up perspective to lead this uh, transition. Thank you. Thank you very much for your opinion. Uh, Gergely, uh, I remember that during one of our conversations you mentioned something like um, industrial symbiosis. Can you please refer to that and how does it connect to, to the sustainable business model? Sure, of course, and I think he, for most of the people here, industrial symbiosis is quite well known. It's part of the circular business models or the circular economy business models, and it basically builds on builds on the model that uh, all the lot of waste and byproducts from certain companies are uh, not used right now by other companies and industrial symbiosis uh, tries to build on this uh, and help uh, synergies between companies, uh, how to use other uh, companies' wastes or byproducts. And actually, you know, uh, yeah, I highlighted uh, uh, industrial symbiosis because I think this is, actually it sounds many times easier than it, uh, than it first looks. Uh, because it mostly needs coordination. Many times it just do it doesn't need necessarily new technology, more energy. Just maybe two companies don't know about each other, and you need a platform where they can they can connect. Definitely, yeah. Lucia, can you add something to this topic? Yeah, sure. I definitely agree with um, Gergely um, talking about a uh, platform being. Um, actually very important to, to build the trust between the, the companies, as you were saying. Um, but what I actually wanted to talk about before was that when we talk about business models, I think what is really important is that um, the source of income right now for most of the businesses comes from economy of scale, right? So the more products we sell, the more profit we're going to generate. And I think this is what circular economy can change um, with this, well, many things, but specifically with a product as a service, for example, is a concrete um, example of a business model where your profit is not generated on um, the, the number of products you sell, but it's mostly generated through um, how many times you use a product. So it's um, it's based on um, the product being used or sorry produced from quality materials because you want the product to last as as long as possible so that more and more people will use it in the future, and um, then if you if something is wrong you can repair it and then put it back to the market so that um, people can use it again and again, and I think this is um, a crucial aspect of uh, circular businesses we should touch upon. Yes, exactly. So this economies of scale just leads us to the negative, I would say, business models approach. 
and um, the quality of the products and the, the, the closing the loop, I would say, of course, it will share um, better, um, I would say, performance of the company and as well sharing the added value, I would say, as well. But we are uh, talking about and taking closer look at the business, sustainable business models uh, in terms of the economic approach. And what about some... Um, concepts of regenerative business. Robert, would you like to add something on that? Yeah, gladly. Uh, I think circular business models actually have the advantage that they completely rethink the way that business is done. And this creates the opportunity to actually think what can business do for the planet or what can business do for society? When we talk about sustainable business models as such, I think we ask ourselves the question, what business model do we have and how can we make sure that it doesn't harm the planet? How can we make sure that this model can be sustained over time? But a question that might be far more interesting is, what can a business actually do for society? Or how can we redesign our model in such a way that it creates value for, for other people, for uh, communities for biodiversity, for example. Um, and I think by switching from, uh, in terms of mind shift from linear to circular, uh, we have that opportunity as well. Okay, so guys, let's close the loop. Last but not least, uh, my question uh, will will flow to, to Wojtek. Because uh, uh, I remember uh, you wrote your one of your thesis when it comes to the sustainable business models. So uh, can you just uh, briefly describe us what kind of methodology did you use or did you, I would say, create it in order to make this research? Yeah, sure. Happy to. So, I, I mean, I didn't create any new methodology, right? It was just a master thesis. So, um, but but it was quite interesting because I looked at, okay, what it actually means. What, what are the current definitions of a circular economy business model? Uh, what are the good cases of practice? Uh, and then um, I uh, interviewed uh, several Swedish companies um, uh, and I was asking uh, in semi-structured interviews about uh, how do they understand the topic of circular economy? Why are they doing their business more circular? What are the aspects they're using? What challenges are they facing in order to be able to um, uh, validate some of these, uh, you know, the science out there back then to say, this is what I think um, is hiding under the definition of a circular economy business model. This is how it looks in practice in Sweden. In these given companies, it was IKEA. Was also two fashion companies doing amazing stuff. You know, um, um, for example, one of them is called Nudie Jeans, and they um, offer free repairs to the jeans they're selling. You can come there anytime and just have them fixed. You can also sell them if you don't want them anymore, and they will try to resell them secondhand. Um, and if uh, you don't want them anymore, they cannot be repaired. They um, take them and, and store them and remanufacture them into new fabrics, uh, making maybe hats or shirts, not jeans really. So it was really cool to see like, how is it being done in practice? Why is it working? What's not working? And uh, yeah, that was the point of that thesis basically. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for this explanation. Okay. So uh, because we have been discussing the definitions of the, um, the sustainable business models, 
But these models, these, these companies, yeah, actually cannot operate alone. As Sergei mentioned, they um, sometimes cannot find each other, yeah, but in the situation that they would uh, create partnerships or, or so. So um, they need for sure an ecosystem, yeah. They need some general framework um, that would support their sustainable efforts. So I think that this is the moment when the circular economy uh, comes and uh, needs to be further explored by us. So um, let's talk why we really need to have this transition. To, to this transition, this transition from the linear to circular economy. And Lucia, according to your experience, because you did various internships covering this kind of transition that we are about to talk about. Even uh, I'm, if I'm correct, uh, right now your scope of work covers the, this topic. So please, could you tell us more about this? Yes, of course. Yeah, as many of us know, and I think Wojtek has rightfully already pointed out, um, right now we live in a linear economy, which basically means that we just take natural resources from Earth, we make materials out of it, we turn products, um, we turn the materials into products, um, then we use them, and after that we just throw them away. And many times we don't even care about what's going to happen to the products afterwards. Um, and unfortunately in the world um, we are still landfilling most of our uh, materials or products. In Europe the, the numbers are a little bit better, but still um, landfilling is, is the most used waste treatment. And so with landfilling, we are creating um, very potent greenhouse gases. We are losing materials forever. Um, we are polluting our groundwaters, soil, um, animals, and us humans as well. Um, and it's not only that, there are other pressures which we create um, with the way we live right now, with linear economy on our ecosystems, which are supposed to support us for many, many generations um, forward. And that is also the pressure on drinking water. It is also, again, greenhouse gases. Just by um, production, producing, manufacturing stuff, we, um, it is estimated that 50% of all greenhouse gases come from this. Um, and um, Yeah, it, we also are losing a lot of um, species, which are really important for, again, the health of our ecosystems, just by um, changing our, our land, um, um, deforestation, for example, in order to produce something more, which will last maybe in many cases for a very short time, and then we throw it away. So I think this, these are very reasons why we need to change our mindset and, mindset and our economy. Okay, so we have this uh, water generation, uh, water consumption, loss of uh, species as well. Wojtek, what do you think about the circular concept? Yeah, I just wanted to come in like with a perspective from a, from a company perspective, because I've been working with quite a few of them over the last few years, and I've seen a tremendous shift in awareness and interest in the circular economy over the last few years, like I said. Um, and... I just wanted to touch upon the reasons why this is happening now, because uh, as Lucia mentioned, like, yes, I mean, we're heading straight forward to a uh, ecosystem collapse and, and a, a terrible climate change, maybe within this century, which will make 
parts of this planet inhabitable. And um, at top of these companies, be it corporates, SMEs, or startups, there are people, right? They have hearts, they have minds, and of course, they realize this. And they're trying to do something about this. It's not like everyone is just uh, out there to uh, taking care of their own business by ruining the planet. So there's been a tremendous shift in this awareness and the sense of urgency to do something about it. But of course, and this is where circular economy comes in because um, it offers a way out. It gives business a viable opportunity not to go bust and just close your company if it's not doing any good, but to remodel, reshape the way you do business in order to um, mitigate the negative impact you can have um, and and uh, maybe create even a positive impact on the society and the environment. And uh, but if you if you go even one step deeper and you look at why are these companies doing that, um, taking for example corporates in mind, for them it's a, a matter of survival, long term perspective. Um, a lot of them rely on raw materials from all around the world. And they know they're running out of it. And some of them are becoming extremely expensive. Look at rare metals. Uh, European Commission has an ever-increasing list of um, critical uh, raw materials that we're running out of. Phosphate, a global fertilizing additive, has been recently added to that list. So and um, it's not just people that rely on these raw materials. It's companies making business out of them. And they realize if we don't do change this, then uh, we're bust. Um, and uh, so there's this long-term sense of urgency to try to do something about it. And you're seeing tremendous shifts on big corporate level uh, with small incremental changes today, but I believe in 10 years will be much further. But you're also seeing startups coming with this enormously disruptive potential just to reshuffle the card deck, you know, and, and, and tap into these gaps that are out there on the market by capitalizing on these linear trends that are ripe for disruption. And you have SMEs, which are doing an amazing job on um, uh, making the way we work with our resources more efficient and circular. So uh, there is business potential already out there today, and it's becoming increasingly more um, tangible. But we also need our governments to step it up and start regulating better. But also people are asking for this more and more. So I think uh, it's just the beginning. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Even uh, not only in business environments, this kind of topic uh, is getting popularity, but also you can see uh, in the TV advertising campaigns as well, for instance, in Poland, this. So, so yeah, the, the, the shift has been already uh, happening for sure. Yeah, uh, Robert, what would you add to that? Yeah, I would like to build on a little bit more on the business opportunity that is hiding in the circular economy. Um, I think when I look at the, the businesses around me uh, that have already started going circular or thinking about going circular, one argument that I often hear is that they see now how big the opportunity cost actually is of sticking to the linear model. Um, we have been sort of stuck with this idea of uh, take, make and dispose and considered that as the default for our way of thinking and operating and have been making that system more and more efficient without really asking ourselves, is it also effective? Um, and I think a lot of businesses now start to see that there's actually a huge opportunity um, hidden in going circular. 
uh, I um, um, can, for example, speak from from my own experience there. Um, uh, working for a reusable packaging company where uh, we see that by switching to a reusable concept, uh, we keep the materials in closed loops and that allows for all sorts of opportunities of enrichment. Um, the material stays with, with us. That means that we can uh, change and improve the design as well as the technology. Um, these are types of investments that you would never make with a single-use product. I think that's an opportunity that becomes uh, bigger and bigger and more and more people are becoming aware of it. Yes, as you mentioned, just uh, produce, uh, uh, make and dispose and rather it should be three area, reduce, reuse and recycle. But actually, I think we need some kind of uh, umbrella, I would say, and the policy provider or the policy supplier, uh, the EU would be a provider here. What do you think, Gergay? Uh, about the EU. I mean, of course, for the EU, circle economy is a kind of, I mean, EU is the flagship of the circle economy um, um, promotion, uh, let's say. And as you can see, um, and actually this is what I also wanted to um, contribute, that uh, um, companies also need to uh, think about circularity or or um, change to sustainable models because uh, the EU offers very good supportive money for this and if you as a company you don't uh, you, you don't uh, count on this or change change your uh, activities then you can lose a lot of subsidies lose a lot of support from uh, European money. Yeah, I see. Uh, especially this uh, financial incentive uh, might play the crucial role. Uh, Balint, what do you think about the circular economy? Does it worth even trying? Yeah, I think that it uh, works. And I, and I like that we're bringing the EU into the discussion because we all know that the EU uh, defined it as a certain action plan for, um, uh, for the future that we should transition towards a circular economy. And many people keep asking me, like, uh, Balint, how come? Because uh, earlier it was definitely not the, uh, not the way of doing business and not the way of uh, running our economy here. And uh, in some ways, uh, circular economy was a kind of criticism towards, uh, our, uh, towards our way of running our linear economy. And uh, I always answer by uh, putting it into perspective. So earlier I said that it's a kind of paradigm shift. And why is it? To, to linear economy, sometimes I refer to as a kind of manufacturing economy. I really like that Lucia and Wojtek put into perspective uh, how we treat the materials of the earth, uh, how we uh, transfer them into waste, and that we are running out of um, uh, resources in our, uh, in our current economy. And I think it's a problem, it's like in our mindset, that we cannot imagine any kind of uh, economic growth than the one in which we uh, consume resources and turn them uh, into waste. Therefore, to circular economy, I always refer to as a kind of dematerialization of our economy. And why do we need this dematerialization? And um, why is actually circular economy and circular business models are more efficient and more beneficial than the uh, previous ones? Because, as I said first, in the beginning of the linear economy, we're running out of resources, we're entering the phase of resource scarcity, and uh, in the other end, where we would transform these resources into uh, waste, then we're also running out of the capacities 
to store this waste. As we all know, by 2050, it is predicted that there would be more plastic than fish in the oceans if we go like this. Therefore, I always say that from the EU, it's not like um, uh, simply saving the world and turning our uh, economy to a sustainable phase in terms of environment, in terms of uh, society, but also in terms of economy. So it's like uh, a kind of survivor from the uh, European Union to make this uh, uh, transition. I think um, Balint is very right when, when he was pointing out um, the paradigm shift. And I think it's very important to realize that um, circular economy is not only about um, recycling resources, as many people think about people who who not really maybe who are not studying it or you uh, maybe just um, come across it the first time. I have that experience at least that when I talk about it, people just think of this as the as the first thing. Oh, it's just about recycling, but there are actually many different strategies. Um, how how if we talk about the business, how business can become more more circular. And um, I really like the division of, um, of this researcher, Nancy Bocken, and she talks about um, narrowing loops and slowing loops and closing loops. Um, and um, so just to, to shortly um, describe what she means by this, um, narrowing loops means um, basically that we try to decrease the number of materials or the variety of materials and the amount of materials we use in a product. And we can, use, we can do this through different um, ways. For example, um, we can um, do this through sharing economy so that um, when we produce one product, it can be used by many other people. So we increase the utilization of it. Um, we can also um, try using recycled or reused material as inputs when we um, produce the product. Those could be a couple of examples of, of that um, strategy. Um, then the slowing loop um, strategy talks about um, extending product life and that we can do um, through using quality materials um, or um, increasing uh, product lifetime. Um, that we can do through repairing or maintaining um, the product as well. And the last one is um, closing loops which is um, something what I've talked about before, and that is about circulating back the materials which we have used previously. Um, and that can be also used through um, a strategy we've talked about before, which is industrial symbiosis, for example, where um, a company, um, when there's one company which produces waste, um, that company can um, sort of donate maybe um, that waste material to a different company, which can then use it as input to their own um, production. So that would be in a nutshell, different strategies which we can adopt. Okay, thank you very much. So last but not least, some closing remarks from Wojtek on this topic. Yeah, thanks. Well, I, I, I loved your question about the EU and I think Lucia just, if I take this and, and bring it back to this macroeconomic level, why EU, what's in it? And Balin has touched upon it as well. I just wanted to add on that, that Europe is a continent extremely reliable on resources from other continents. And Europe and EU realizes that this is not a long-term strategy, especially with the habits that we have as humanity, right? We're running out of all this stuff. And because I was working in the EU, actually, on the first Circle Economy Action Plan a couple of years back, I remember 
sentence often used, which is, okay, we, we bring in oil from Saudi Arabia. We make plastics out of it. Then we ship it back to China, and then they bring cars back to us with much higher added value in it. Can't we do something like this on our own? Can't we close the loop locally? And um, um, there's many reasons to focus on this besides the environmental aspects. And, and what Lucia mentioned, all these business models, when you, when you zoom out and put it on a macroeconomic level, there's been a study done by McKinsey for Europe, for the European Union, which estimated that if Europe goes circular, um, we could generate net economic benefits of 1.8 trillion euros by 2030 uh, and create about 700,000 green jobs. So this is the scale that we're talking about. And this is why European Union is so much into it. And, um, and the good news is that right now, maybe you have heard about it, but a couple of weeks back, European Union has published a renewed circular economy action plan, which is going much further uh, away from recycling and end-of-life solutions to, um, for example, uh, push producers to um, um, provide repairability to their products to phase out harmful chemicals and all these things that are still out there. Um, and, and no one is really regulating that. And one single country like Czech, Poland, and Hungary is too small for that, too small of a market. Europe can do this and they're going for this. And it's amazing to see. But I'm also really curious, and now maybe I'm handing a ball to you, Agatha, and to others. What does this mean for the V4? Yes, exactly. So if even though uh, the V4 is uh, quite a small market, as you mentioned, yeah, but this kind of uh, policy already exists and they are provided uh, by the European Union. So does V4 uh, maybe already uh, provided us? Have the V4 countries already faced this challenge? Do can, uh, can we just boast with some kind of best practices when it comes to the circular economy? Robert, what do you think? Um, yeah, well, as mentioned before, I, I work for a young company uh, in a V4 country, uh, a young company here in Prague, the Czech Republic. And uh, we have developed a smart reusable packaging system uh, to provide a little bit of context there. Uh, normal consumer packaging is sort of an emblem of the linear economy uh, because a producer puts a product um, in a kind of primary packaging, the packaging that you as a consumer see in the store. Then it's grouped and packed in a type of secondary packaging, which is usually a big paper box. Um, which then needs to be protected for transport with plastic wrapping around. And the moment that this box arrives at a retailer, the first thing the retailer does is remove all that secondary and tertiary packaging and dump it immediately. Um, that's our first pile of waste. The second pile of waste is created at the level of the household. Um, when you open your bag of chips, you eat it, and then you have the bag that's left and you just get rid of it, right? Um, so our packaging uh, solution replaces this single-use packaging at all levels of the supply chain. And I think the reason that this solution can be successful is because it's scalable. But as mentioned before, in the linear uh, model, scalability is acquired by producing as much as possible for as low as possible a price. Um, the circular model allows for more creativity there. 
with our reusable packaging system, the materials stay within our hands, which means that we get to do creative stuff with them, right? We add technology, which means that producers have all sorts of data insights thanks to the packaging that they could never get with uh, a single-use product. Uh, the same applies to the design and the way that it uh, interacts with consumers, for example. So the definition of a scalable solution, the definition of scalability changes as well in a uh, circular economy. I think that is something that can essentially ha happen anywhere. If it's possible to create that type of uh, business model in, in Prague and in Czech Republic, it can happen in other cities as well. Um, so I, maybe it already happens. Maybe someone else knows <laughs> some other examples. Yeah, so as I heard you well, we have already some practices to, sh to share. And even I heard about some partnership, uh, Czech Republic, Slovakia and Poland, but I do not remember the name of the project. Balint, can you remind me of the one? Yeah, I guess you're talking about the, not a project, but a company and they are called Circle. And indeed, they come from uh, uh, the Czech Republic and now they are expanding. I know that they are active in uh, Slovakia and also in Poland. And I know that uh, they are also approaching um, Hungary as well. Uh, earlier, you highlighted the uh, importance of industrial symbiosis in terms of uh, circular economy that the waste of one company uh, can be the resource uh, of another one. Therefore, I always say that uh, in a circular economy, you cannot simply rely on a single business or on a single business model, because a, sim because a business model by itself cannot be simply circular. And why not? Because as you also put it wisely earlier, Agatha, uh, in a circular economy, we have ecosystems of businesses and business models. And uh, yeah, as Gergely also said it earlier, it's really easy to talk about industrial symbiosis, but how do we do this? Because normally when you talk about circular economy and recycling, then uh, it's only about uh, waste management, gathering plastic, gathering metals, gathering uh, other kinds of materials, and then use them for the same purpose. However, circular economy really challenges this uh, yeah, kind of old-fashioned uh, recycling way and says that, hey guys, let's rethink our whole manufacturing and uh, our whole dependence on raw materials. So, for instance, in the Netherlands, I know that they are quite advanced uh, with this kind of um, solutions. For instance, they grow mushroom on coffee ground, on wasted coffee ground. Uh, they also use mushroom for replacing concrete materials uh, of uh, buildings. Therefore, I believe that they really rethink the whole economy and the way we treat uh, resources. Yeah, it seems that startups and uh, this uh, SMEs are really pioneers in this field. Wojtek, do you think the same? Yes, I mean, I think they they are the pioneers because startup by definition, right, it's coming with something new, something fresh. Um, and uh, and they are pioneering their way through this linear economy and really disrupting it. This is what Circle is doing, right? They, they are putting the classical waste management companies and their business models out of business. And it's great to see. And I really wish them best of luck. Um, Taking it to the V4 level, because I'm really fascinated by this region and I, we all are kind of connected to it, right? Um, uh, I think what makes me a little bit sad is this common misunderstanding of the concept of circular economy, like Balin said. I think a lot of the people that I meet 
still think, okay, we'll just separate and recycle more and that's circular, right? And they have really managed to push this mantra and this agenda to the parliament, to the senates of our respected nations. And um, that's a big misunderstanding of the concept. And it's a lost business opportunity. Um, nevertheless, I think like still the V4 is actually showing a way to other countries and regions about some aspects of circular economy, which are maybe at the, the end of the whole cycle, but it's coming from, I would say, our uh, cultural heritage and history, and also um, the cost of labor, and also out of pure economic necessity. And I mean specifically certain practices that we do here at the V4, which are and could be of inspiration to the Western Europe or the Nordic Europe or to the USA. And it's about repairs, sharing, remanufacturing, recycling. All these things are uh, quite normal for us here and they have been normal. And we're kind of more like we're actually getting out of it. We are becoming more linear every year. Uh, I believe we were more circular 30, 40, 50 years ago than we are now in the V4, but we still have a lot to show to the rest of the world, but we also have a lot to learn when it comes to, let's say, the bigger understanding of the circular economy concept and um, the more innovative or advanced aspects of it. Okay, thank you for sharing this with us. So. Um... How and from whom we can actually learn uh, learn the most? Uh, the, I mean, the four countries. Sweden, maybe? Lucia, do you have any opinion on, on that? Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, um, yes, I've been living here and I've been getting to know different companies working with them. Um, and they really are further when it comes to the mindset or the thinking about what is circular economy and, and not only circular economy, but sustainability in general. Um, but just to connect to what Wojciech said, I think when it comes to um, the other mindset of reusing, repairing, because maybe sometimes you don't have, uh, or <laughs> back in the day, we didn't have enough money to, to buy a new uh, product. Whereas now we live in a completely different economy where actually something new is cheaper than to repair it or, or um, yeah, maintain it in a different way. Um, so when we compare that mindset or um, the reality really of V4 and Sweden, then when we look at the production of waste in Sweden, it's way higher than it is in, in our V4 countries. So in that sense, we can say that we are ahead as in V4 um, than than the than Sweden or maybe the Western world, of course that ties into the um, well-being or some kind of um, standard of lives and economic um, progress and stuff like that. But um, I think this is important to to always talk about and to lift up what Wojciech said that yes, um, it is connected maybe somehow to some kind of negative sense of reusing and repairing things, when I said, put it again to the circular economy, this example. But it's also very good for the environment, and this is what we are aiming for right now. So why should we actually do as the, the Western world, you know, has been doing for 20, 30 years, let's say the US and so on, always buying new and disposable. If this is the right thing, this is what we should be continuing doing. Okay, thank you very much for this experience of yours. Okay, so, but 
We are talking uh, here again and again about companies. Companies, companies, yes. They play a huge role in this business spectacle, the business performance. However, they are not the only element in this jigsaw puzzles, right? So, uh, yet they are, um, they are only one of the elements. So, there are some other participants, other individuals, like us, for instance, the V4SDG Lab, who want to build a better, more sustainable future for the present generations without compromising the needs of the future of ones. Balint, how do you think, how we can achieve that? Yeah, uh, before I start answering this question, first I have to apologize to our audience because I just realized that uh, out of enthusiasm, I just uh, skipped on your uh, previous question, I mean the very core of it, and uh, define what Circle is. Because it is actually a, a platform for um, secondary raw materials. Uh, so it's basically a market where certain companies can exchange their materials. And getting back now to your uh, question, uh, I really like it uh, that, that, that you stressed it. I mean, the importance of uh, individuals in the circular transition. However, I would say that I would rather stick to, to, to companies and to the company level. Because if we talk about individuals and their responsibility, for me, it always sounds like uh, propaganda from the companies, from the very big companies. It is something that started decades ago when um, they started to promote the green lifestyle and somehow they tried to put the pressure on the shoulders on, on, on these individuals. So they, so they say that uh, our world is in a crisis, in an ecological crisis, because of you. Because you consume too much, you do not recycle uh, and uh, uh, therefore you should uh, buy green products and we should turn our uh, uh, whole consumption into, uh, yeah, in, 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 into green uh, habits. However, uh, I still think that uh, most of the resources that are flowing through our economy are in the position of big companies, therefore it's rather their responsibility. And yeah, when we just talk about recycling, 30, uh, 20 or 30 years ago they told us that it's enough to uh, collect waste selectively, like plastic, uh, paper and metals. And what do we hear now? Like, it was almost for nothing because uh, it's just a really basic selection. But uh, if we want to achieve 100% uh, performance and efficiency, then we should be even more selective and even more efficient. So, uh, for instance, it uh, cannot be infected. I mean, the materials uh, and it has to be uh, pure in order to uh, be recycled. And therefore, it's also the responsibility of companies to offer us uh, those products that, that, that are designed in a way to uh, to be easily recyclable okay thank you very much so you uh, you have said the 100 efficiency and how to uh, achieve 100 in, in engagement of uh, of these individuals um, so gergay any education uh, knowledge no, provision yeah actually i just wanted to continue on where um, where Palint, uh, finished because yeah, I mean, here I'm, I have to a bit uh, argue uh, argue with you because, of course, companies are responsible for most of the most of the waste and most of the pollution and so on. But I, as a consumer, I can uh, force the company uh, to change its production. So if I decide to not to buy something which is uh, environmentally damaging, then the pro then sooner or later uh, the company 
we'll uh, lose its customers uh, and we'll learn to change. Uh, so, and yeah, here comes um, um, consumer behavioral change in the picture uh, and what we can do. I mean, with the education, awareness raising, um, to disseminate the concept of circle economy and sustainability. Hopefully, as we can already see it, actually, um, I mean, people will consume differently. They will appreci appreciate uh, more sustainable products, uh, and this will be also realized in the industry. What would you add to that, Wojtek? Yeah, I, I just think this is super interesting debate, and I, I, and it's not. Ending. This is right now what a lot of people are asking. Like, what can I do? Is it my fault? Should it be the companies who should change? I think everyone has a role in transition towards the circular economy, if I put it vaguely. But I have to agree with Balint to say that um, it's the companies that are often pulling the better side of the rope. The Czech saying that I have maybe wrongly translated into English right now, but just uh, look at this example, right? Like, okay, you, me, I, and the people who will listen to this tomorrow will not buy something linear or unsustainable. But instead, these companies, they have these huge marketing budgets. They have these contacts to the parliament, to the Senate, to just keep going and pushing. And, and I'm afraid that we can convert hundreds and thousands of customers to go more sustainable but they are in the business and they're growing in the business to recruit millions and billions of new consumers that are entering the for example in the global south and they want the same living standards as we have over here uh, they want their new cars they want their t-shirts shoes phones and who are we to deny it to them so i would really say this is at the hands of the companies, but not just them, but also the governments have to regulate much, much, much better and stronger, especially, um, for example, on an international level like the EU or uh, something of that uh, comparison. Lucia, I would love to hear uh, from, from you what you have to say in this uh, individual's engagement. Thank you. I think this is a never-ending um, debate. I agree with Wojciech as well. I've been thinking about it myself and the, the more I work with um, the companies here in Sweden, the more I realize that, well, it's both. It's the companies and the government, but I more and more started thinking about the role of the government because, you know, if recycle, for example, recycled materials, if they are more expensive than virgin materials, then no one is going to force a company to use recycled material if they have the option of you know, choosing virgin material in order to produce the product. Um, so when, for example, I spoke to a company which uh, is making windows, we were talking about how they could um, um, use recycled materials or reused materials in the production. They were saying, yeah, we would um, really um, like to do this, but then we need to talk to our suppliers about this and they need to supply us the, the material we need from recycled material. So it's, I'm saying this because it also pinpoints the idea of circular economy being um, a collaboration between different um, actors, as Balint, I think, pointed out before, 
that it's um, it's all about the supply chain and how the whole supply chain works together. But at the same time, as I said before, it's about the, the rules and the government um, um, yeah, legislation, which can support this um, transition towards circular economy. Yes, actually, this is an never-ending discussion. Wojtek, the floor is yours. <laughs> yes, sorry, I'm, I know. But I just forgot to say something really important that um, I, th- I mean, at the same time, we shouldn't underestimate the power of an individual, right? But I think our potential, yours, mine, to whoever's listening to this, is not in as much as how we spend our money, because sometimes we just have a bad choice and a little bit of a worse choice when we go shopping to supermarket, for example. We have much better potential into thinking, what do I do from Monday to Friday, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m.? Am I contributing to the solution or am I creating the problem? And um, this is something the companies are dealing with as well. I've been talking to big companies saying, people don't want to work for us anymore. They keep asking, what do we do for sustainability and so on? So I would really say to, on an individual level, the best thing we can do is to get engaged, be heard, look around yourself, look around your community, look around your work. If you don't like it, change it if you can, um, and be part of the solution and not of the problem. And it's much better than focusing on uh, do I buy uh, eco avocado, which was shipped from Peru, or do I buy non-eco avocado, which was also shipped from Peru? (laughs) And we will not end this story because um, previously we mentioned that financial incentives are very great. They're enhancing companies to uh, be more proactive. But what about individuals? Robert, do you think that financial aspect Play he plays here um, a role as well? Yes, uh, of course. I think uh, even though we see nowadays that consumers care more and more about sustainability and are even willing to pay uh, a little bit more for more sustainable products, price is still the most determining factor um, um, of whether a person purchases something or not. And the reality uh, today is that environmental externalities and social externalities are still not included uh, or not fully included in the price of a product. So there is no full transparency there towards the consumer. I think governments, uh, especially in the EU, uh, are already taking action uh, in this regard by starting to implement extended producer responsibility uh, more and more as a principle, which means that the producers, once they pollute, also pay for the societal cost for that pollution. Uh, which then eventually needs to be incorporated uh, in the prices uh, of the products. Um, But maybe if I can add something to that, uh, what I think is even more important uh, in terms of what governments can do right now uh, is not only uh, taxation or producer responsibility schemes, but also facilitating the transformation. Um, As we mentioned before, switching to a circular business model requires uh, a very comprehensive Uh, shift in thinking patterns as well. And it requires partnerships with companies or maybe government bodies that you never thought about before. When you think about normal supply chains, all of a sudden you have to deal with reverse logistics, for example. And their governments can come in really handy uh, by creating networks, but also by engaging citizens, for example. Uh, So I think facilitating uh, the transformation is equally important as creating financial incentives. 
Thank you. And with this sentence, you brought our discussion up to end. So actually, to provide you with some closing remarks and to sum up our discussion, I think that we cannot agree more on that, that today's business operates under dramatically different conditions than even 10 years ago. And mechanisms used then, giving a positive business effect, uh, actually do not work at all today. And we have faced unethical behaviors of enterprises that caused a number of, uh, of scandals, frauds on global scale as well, and the collapse also of those companies that uh, were thought never to collapse as well, yeah? And this financial incentives, uh, this proactive approach of, of government, for sure, the implementation of circular economy, the rethinking of business models, the implementation of the sustainable business models will be a key here. And we have you, the experts, we have the whole V4SDG community, the V4SDG lab community, which with all its activities promote good practices, promote sustainability, corporate social responsibility, and many, many others. So thank you very much for this fruitful discussion. It was a great pleasure to have you all here. I'm very glad that you accepted our invitation. Look forward to seeing your successful sustainable business models in the future. And good luck with that. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. This was the We4 Voices, the first podcast series about current sustainability issues with a Visegrad region perspective brought to you by the young experts of V4SDG Lab. Thank you for your attention. Stay tuned for the next episode.